0: Well, I think you can do much better than that. Put your hands together. If your heart rejoices this Easter Sunday morning, I am so glad to be celebrating Easter with you this morning and with all of you who are with us online as well. Uh, Before we jump into the Bible together, in case any of you are our guests today, let me make a brief introduction and invitation. So the introduction is, hello, my name is Adam. Uh, and I have the amazing privilege of leading our incredible staff here at Redeemer who lead incredible ministries. And uh, here's the invitation. If you want to learn more about those ministries, more about Redeemer, uh, our past, our present, where we feel God calling us in the future, please join me for dinner at our next Steps class. I need you to RSVP online because we provide dinner and we also provide child care Uh, So please hop online if you'd like to join me at our Next Steps class. I'd love to introduce you more into the ministries uh, that exist here. It is going to be at 6.30 p.m. on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Our theme will be Star Wars. Today we begin a five-week series called Holy Moments, the first of which you may be able to guess is the resurrection. But before... We celebrate the resurrection. I know that you know it is important to recall and remember the events that took place throughout entire Holy Week. Now, I recapped these last week on Palm Sunday, but I'm going to briefly do a review now. On Palm Sunday, Jesus enters Jerusalem and crowds of disciples are joyfully praising God, waving their palm branches in the air and shouting, Hosanna in the highest! And Monday, Jesus clears the temple. The temple courts were full of money changers. And as he turns over their tables, he declares, My house will be a house of prayer. On Tuesday, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives, where he gave the Olivet Discourse, a prophecy of the end of the age, the end times, his second coming, the final judgment. And also on Tuesday, Judas negotiated with the Sanhedrin, the court of ancient Israel to betray Jesus on Wednesday the Bible doesn't tell us what Jesus did on Wednesday so we believe he was in Bethany where he was staying and probably spending time with Lazarus and Mary and Martha his friends I like to think he was spending time with his mother and I also like to think he was probably resting after a few very exhausting days and knowing what the next few days would bring On Thursday, Holy Week took a very somber turn. That evening in the upper room, Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and they shared in the Passover feast. He established the Lord's Supper, went to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he prayed in agony, and he was betrayed and arrested. And on Friday, Christ was sentenced to death by crucifixion, one of the most horrific and disgraceful methods of capital punishment. He was spit on, mocked, tormented, beaten, and a crown of thorns was pressed into his head. There he was nailed to a cross and he died. Pastor Shadrach Meshach, uh, you thought I was going to go there. No, his last name's Lockridge. Pastor Shadrach Meshach Lockridge was the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego from 1953 to 1993 and he wrote a short poem to summarize the agony of good friday but also the anticipation of resurrection sunday and i would like to share that with you today he wrote it's friday jesus is praying peter is sleeping judas is betraying but sunday is coming it's friday Pilate is struggling, the council is conspiring, the crowd is vilifying, but Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running, Mary is crying, Peter is denying, but they don't even know. Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus, they robe him in scarlet, they crown him with thorns. But Sunday is coming. It's Friday. His blood is dripping, his body stumbling, his spirit burdened, but it's only Friday. Sunday is coming. The world's winning. People are sinning. Evil is grinning. Friday. Sunday is coming. The soldiers nail my Savior's hands to the cross. They raise him up next to criminals, but let me tell you something, Sunday's coming. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. The Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved, but they don't know that Sunday is coming. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. Hope is lost. Death has won. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard. A rock is rolled into place. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. Now, if S.M. Lockridge were here preaching at Redeemer this morning, I'm pretty sure this is when he would enthusiastically declare, Sunday is here! He is risen, death is defeated, and Jesus is alive. That is the truth that we celebrate today, Easter Sunday, with the very first disciples with the saints throughout history and with the fellowship of believers around the world today we celebrate that the tomb was empty on Sunday morning so let's look at this account of the resurrection in the gospel of Matthew if you'd like to turn there chapter 28 verses 1 through 10 it'll also be on the screen for you this morning there are three points to this narrative all worth examining and the first part is verses 1 through 4. The angel of the Lord coming to the tomb. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning And his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. This earthquake here was the result of the angel's arrival and it says it was a violent one. In the Greek, the word here is actually mega. I mean, we've got a mega quake happening on the scene. And remember, there was also an earthquake when Jesus died, Matthew 27, 51, and now a second one. so together, in a way, they connect the death and resurrection of Christ as this single salvation event in history. Stone rolled away from the tomb, and as a symbol of triumph, I mean, you know the story is a lot better because the angel sat on it, right? I mean, you could read and the angel stood next to the stone, and that's nice, but the angel sat on it. This is a clear picture of triumph. And the wordplay here is brilliant. The earth shook and so did the guards. Then they became like dead men. Now they didn't die, they fainted. And the irony here cannot be missed that the ones who were assigned to guard the dead now appeared to be dead. And the one who was dead has now been made alive. What a beautiful picture here. Part 2, verses 5 through 7, is the commissioning of the women. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Come on, this is our doctrine right here. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, Come, come. And see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women were afraid too. Or else why would the angel say to them, do not be afraid? Why were the women afraid? Because they saw the angel. The same angel that scared the guards. So they were afraid because they saw the angel. Then they're probably more afraid because the other guys that were afraid fainted. What's going on here? The angel alleviates their fear and then offers an explanation Jesus is no longer here in this tomb, he is risen. You know, Jesus didn't need the stone to roll away so that he could exit the tomb. Uh, He didn't need the earthquake to move the stone. Jesus had just come back from the dead. So the stone is not going to be an obstacle for Jesus. I can think of a thousand miraculous ways that he could have moved that stone out of the way. The earthquake comes and moves the stone. And I think it's so that the women could walk in and see. I think the stone was rolled away so that his followers could come in and see the empty tomb because after they see the empty tomb, what do they do? They testify. That's the very first Christian testimony of the resurrected Christ. This is vital news. This is the turning point of the ages. And they're told, go quickly and tell the disciples what has happened and that Christ will meet them in Galilee. Which brings us to part 3, verses 8 through 10. The appearance of Jesus to the women. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Okay, back to the guards. You remember these guards? They saw the angel. They were fearful and they fainted. The women are also fearful, but they're filled with joy. Jesus calls his disciples here brothers. I love this picture. Go and tell my brothers We see acceptance. We see fellowship. But remember, Peter had denied Christ. So by calling him his brother, Jesus is restoring him and forgiving him long before Peter could ever repent. Because of this order of events, you and I can relate. Jesus forgave you and Jesus forgave me long before we could ever repent. Do you remember while we were still sinners, Christ what? Died for us. So we can relate to these disciples. The credibility of the Christian faith fully rests on the resurrection. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So in this event lies the hope of humanity where death is defeated, sin is conquered, and hope is restored. But I had a little bit of fun this week writing out a list of 10 evidences of the resurrection. You may not need these today, or perhaps they'll encourage and reinforce your faith. I'm inspired by my childhood watching David Letterman and all of his top 10 lists. So here's a top ten list of evidence of the resurrection. Number ten, Jesus predicted his resurrection, Mark eight one and Luke nine twenty two. He predicts it, and then it happens. But if it didn't happen, if he did not rise from the dead, he would have been known throughout history as a false prophet. Number nine, people prepared his lifeless body for burial. Uh, This would not have been done for someone who was breathing or someone with a pulse. The fact that that preparation even happened is evidence. Number eight, the Jewish authorities made a plan to falsify this story immediately after they learned that the tomb was empty. Listen, even they acknowledged the empty tomb and they were Jesus' resistance. Number seven, Jesus appeared to many in bodily form, individuals, in large crowds of people he was seen he was heard he was touched they clasped his feet and worshipped him they even saw him eat lunch number six Saul of Tarsus after seeing and speaking with the resurrected Jesus became one of the Christian faith's greatest missionaries theologians and apologists as well as the inspired author of 13 new testament books Number five, Paul's earliest epistles were written about 20 years after the resurrection. And they would have been generally opposed and publicly rejected if the resurrection was a disputable event. Is anybody else having fun with this list yet? Me, okay. Number four, many of Christ's disciples were martyred. You don't really die for something that you're not fully certain happened. Number three, the emergence, growth, resiliency, and existence of the church today is evidence of the resurrection. Number two, no tomb has ever been established and revered as the place where Jesus's physical body remains. I've been to the tomb of King David and St. Peter. I've been to the burial site of Billy Graham. Where is Jesus's body? exactly and number one the number one evidence of the resurrection is this our testimonies your testimony my testimony i suppose all of the evidence that i've shared just in this brief list and all the evidence that you could find elsewhere could be argued but you cannot argue with someone's testimony it's not debatable your testimony is not debatable If you have experienced the risen Christ through the Holy Spirit, that is evidence enough of the resurrection. Just like Nicole C. Mullen sings, my redeemer lives. And then she says, because I talked to him this morning. Furthermore, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. That being said, for those of you here, for those of you online with us who are Christ followers, you are Easter people. Today, once again in the Christian calendar is a celebratory day. We celebrate the risen Christ and all that that means in our lives. This energizes our soul, hearing the resurrection narrative and the evidence that supports the resurrection reinforces our faith. But perhaps you are not a Christ follower. You grew up in church. You've heard the story. But it's never made its way from your head to your heart. Or maybe you're here because you're curious. Or maybe you're here, or maybe you're watching just because somebody invited you. After hearing the resurrection account and the supportive evidence, at the end of the day, the verdict is yours. You get to decide what it is that you believe. The ballot is in your hands. And I share this with you not because I have the job of convincing anyone of this story. But instead of telling you what God has done and accomplished for you, for he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, die, but live and receive the gift of everlasting life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And why? Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Will be saved all who call upon the name of the lord receive that right to become a son or a daughter of the living god so this is the invitation to repent and to believe and if you do that today i am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the invitation that you get to decide for you. So if this is the moment that you want to put your faith, put your trust, find your hope, in the resurrected Christ. A prayer is going to come on the screen. And I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer out loud together. Whether you prayed this prayer 50 years ago, pray it again with us today as a reminder of the gift of your salvation. Or maybe this is the first time you've ever expressed this desire to become a follower of Christ. There's nothing mysterious about these words. They just represent the posture of of your heart today before the Lord. Will all of you pray this with me out loud? Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. You are the resurrection and the life. I believe you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the dead. With that same power, make me a new creation. I am sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I ask you to live in my heart and to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Through the name of Jesus, my Lord, I pray. Amen. Now, come on, I know you're the early crowd, but you're going to have to celebrate this morning. If anyone in this room or anyone with us online prayed that prayer today for the very first time. If so, I need you to text the name Jesus to the phone number on your screen so that we can reach out to you and celebrate your decision with you. We also want to give you a free Bible if you made that decision today. And if you want to talk to someone in person right after service, just go right out this door to my left, hang a left, first door on the left. That's where our prayer room is and we've got a team ready to meet with you and celebrate your decision. Happy Easter, everyone. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's respond to God's word by worshiping together. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at redeemertulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.